Hey everybody, before we start the show today, I am very excited and proud to announce that Crypto 101 Podcast has been nominated for the Crypto Influencer Award of 2018 for Best Crypto Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. But please go to Crypto101Podcast.com. There's a pop-up there. Vote for us so we can win the Best Crypto Podcast. Thanks again and enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Just a reminder that this show is not legal advice, trading advice, financial advice, or personal advice. Enjoy the show, and thank you very much. This show was sponsored by Seal Network, a blockchain-powered product authentication and service platform. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. And if you remember a couple episodes ago, we had on the Crypto 101 team. Well, we wanted to continue with that tradition and we wanted to welcome the bloggers on the show. Talk to them, talk to them about writing blogs for Crypto 101. Talk to them about the responsibility when writing these blogs and just see who they are. Get to know them a little bit. So enjoy meeting some more of the Crypto 101 media team. But before that, please go to Crypto101podcast.com. Vote for us for Best Crypto Podcast 2018. You can send us an email. You can join our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram, all from the website. You can become a Patreon. And don't forget to check out Aaron Paul on ICO 101. Without further ado, meet the bloggers and we'll see you after the show. Gents, how are you guys doing today? Good, man. Pretty well. So today we are sitting with the Crypto 101 bloggers. We have Bolton, Glenn, Scott, and Ryan on the podcast today. And we're just going to get to meet them. Gents, let's do this today. What do you think? Let's first give everybody an introduction about yourself. And then let's talk about some different aspects about blogging in the crypto space. Let's talk about some companies, some ways you research some blogs that you, you have written. Let's talk about the way you look at different companies from a blogger's perspective, the tools that you use, either the platforms of like Medium, Steemit, WordPress, writing for different companies about bounties, and then just a general chat about the space. What do you guys think? Sounds like a plan. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, sounds great to me. Cool. So, guys, if you would, please briefly introduce yourself for the audience. We will start with Ryan. Ryan, go ahead, sir. So first of all, just thanks for having me here. It is a privilege to be with you guys here tonight having this chat. Some great minds on this team and feel fortunate to be a part of it. So me, let's see, I'm a father of four, a husband. I am 15 professional, mostly in the energy space, now a management consultant and got into this whole crypto thing. Depends on what you mean by into it. First time I touched it was in 2013. Unfortunately, I didn't do too much with it, but really got in last year toward the end of the summer, and it's been a wild adventure ever since. So that's me in a nutshell. Excellent. Scott? Uh, yeah, I'm just some, some guy in Minnesota. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, <laughs> I'm a clinical social worker. I work in the mental health field. Started reading about Bitcoin in around Thanksgiving last year. Bought my first Ethereum in January this year. Right on. Cool. Bolton? Hey guys, uh, well, first off, thanks for putting this on. You know, it's a real privilege. You know, I started listening to Crypto 101 back uh, in about January, right around the time I got into the space and bought my first Bitcoin at 15600 So 
that was a you know pretty bad time to get in but it made me uh you know engage a little more and uh, learn uh and that's how i met matthew and got on got into the blogging but i've worked with a small cap stocks since 2001 uh, doing research and writing and blogging so this is a you know a really exciting space to be in and uh, just you know glad to be here excellent and glenn i'm the token australian of the team um <laughs> similar to scott i'm just a guy i'm a graduate student in australia uh, i'm writing my phd thesis on process metaphysics i'm a perpetual student I've never stopped studying. I'm 28 years old. I probably should consider stopping studying at some point, but I just love it too much. When I'm not reading or writing, I'm feeding my chickens or growing vegetables in my yard, playing video games with my mates. And my time in the space, well, I got in, well, I mean, if I just tell you I got in mid-January this year, that's probably all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, guys. Well, anyway, thank you guys for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. And more, more so, you guys are writing amazing blogs. I love reading what you guys are writing. I love the research you're doing. and I love the perspectives. And if you could, guys, let's talk about some of the most fun companies that you guys were blogging about. And what was it about blogging about these said companies? Was it the research? Was it the project, projects? Was it the community that came out to t talk to you about these blogs? What What is it? We'll start with Glenn. Glenn, what, what, what do you think your most fun blog to write about was? Probably not so much a company as it is the technicals. I've really enjoyed learning the technicals while blogging. So I wrote a piece recently on the Byzantine Generals problem after your episode with Doug Pike. And that was an incredibly rewarding experience just to really dive in and start to understand, okay, what is the Generals problem? What is the solution that Bitcoin proposes? And seeing how that all falls into place was, um, yeah, it was really eye-opening. Some of the companies per se, I wrote a piece on the Verus Foundation for ICO 101. And that was a really good example of like a non-currency uh, use of the blockchain. And I found that really interesting to see how the blockchain can be used for more than just transacting value, but actually be used as like a, like a, a database of trust. So I, yeah, I really enjoyed that one as well. Anybody else could just fill in and just jump in anytime they want. <laughs> Let's see. You know what? I had a lot of fun writing about Zillica a month or two ago now. The episode was great. The interview was excellent. And I'll tell you, I really enjoyed it because by the time I was done doing this research on the company and the technology that they're trying to drive, which was basically speed up throughput and solve the problem of scalability, I loved it because at the end I understood a little bit more. And I think that's something that is most fascinating about the field for me, and I think for a lot of us, it's just how much we're learning, how quickly we're learning. And so writing about Zillica, I came out of that and I said, you know, I understand sharding now just a little bit more. I understand what the sharding thing is. I think I know what their strategy is. And ever since I wrote that article, just kind of following what Zillica is doing and increasing that throughput. That was a lot of fun. I'll throw in one more. And this is a twofer because this next one I think is going to come up later in the conversation when we might talk about things a little more controversial. So writing about Gifto, Matthew you had an interview with Andy Tien at some point. And so doing a write-up on, on his work with Gifto and what else he had done, including UpLive, um, that was a lot of fun. Researching UpLive, if anyone is unaware of what UpLive is, check out the interview, check out the article, and hit the link and look for yourself. It will blow up your computer screen. So we'll get into that later, but I'll leave it there for now. Well, now I have a follow-up question for you. What is sharding? Oh, no. Well, let's see. <laughs> Got to put you on the spot. You said, oh, yeah, I learned a little bit about sharding. We haven't had it on Crypto 101 yet. 
What is sharding, sir? The best way I can put it is dividing and conquering. You've got um, all of the nodes on the network. That's that's the key to this whole blockchain concept is the nodes are doing the work and they're running the calcs and they're keeping the blockchain accurate and running for all intents and purposes. So sharding is instead of all nodes on the network focusing on all of the calculations, all the transactions that are going on, um, they divide it up. They divide the nodes into groups and then they divide up the transactions into groups and assign them out. And so theoretically and literally, everything becomes much more efficient. So you get higher throughput. How's that? I think that was a good one. Yes. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on, who would like to take the next one? I would say to contrast with uh, Glenn and Ryan that I like to write about the projects that have a really strong fundamental qualities or things that have like a human aspect to them. So like a good example is, um, I think it was the second one I wrote for the, for the podcast was Humanique. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, where they're banking the unbanked in Africa and some other impoverished countries. And I'm looking to do more stuff about companies like that and learn about companies that are companies, coins, whatever projects you want to call them are doing, because I like that sort of bigger picture aspect of blockchain and what it, you know, since it is so radically different than anything we've ever really had on our planet, like, why can't we just right from the get go do something really impressive and really, really high quality to raise the standard of living for other people? I think that's a really fascinating way to start. And, um, you know, just like the, the idealism and so forth that you have with Ethereum and, and sort of those things that are looking very, very big picture, very global. I think those are the most fascinating to me. Um, I, I, I do also enjoy learning about the technical parts, but there's sort of a limit that I get to where I can't. It's kind of like, all right, now I'm not really, <laughs> I'm not really following after a certain point. So I tend to maybe look in the other direction. And I, and I think we need people to think about all those sides, you know, technical stuff, the big picture stuff, ethical stuff. And it's, everybody has something to offer, I think. And if we work together, you know, we can make the world a better place, I think. I agree, man. I agree. Bolton, what's on your mind? You know, I think one of the finest articles I wrote on was uh, Polyswarm. I wrote it from a, you know, an, they were raising $50 million for their ICO. And, and I really engaged the company on what they were spending that on. Because after I went, really went through their white paper, they were pretty vague about what they were going to allocate that money for. And I got a lot of response from the company back. And, you know, nothing real concrete. You know, they were still pretty vague on on what they uh, were going to use those funds for. But just the fact that they engaged and and followed up with my questions was uh, was pretty cool. And and, you know, I'm I'm used to uh, small cap stocks where, you know, you call and and a lot of people don't answer the phone. You know, and another company that I found uh, that's actually here in Denver, Colorado, where I live is uh, Salt Lending and they put on a crypto conference here back in March that I got to go to. They actually gave me a ticket for, and I got to meet a lot of great companies there and hear a lot of really cool speakers. And uh, there was one company I met there called uh, Meal Token, and really interesting company out of uh, Spain. That's you know a lot of these ICOs that I run across are great ideas, great concepts, but no revenue. Basically, just a uh, an idea. 
at the moment. And meal tokens different. They have been around 20 years. They uh, are basically on that health food bandwagon now. They have stores where you go and you buy a you know, a, a pre-packaged healthy meal and you can eat it there in their store, take it to work or take it home. So they have revenue and have brick and mortar operations. And the, the ICO is just to raise money to expand their current business. And the, the CEO and and their uh, consultant was there at the conference. So I'd really like to attend more conferences. I, I learned a lot there. And also just from you know, interacting with you guys, you know, listening to the podcasts and uh, the ICO 101, the Crypto 101, both. They're super informative. And I'm really looking forward to writing this new uh, blog about the most recent interview on Binance's uh, CEO. That was a super uplifting interview that uh, that you did, Matthew, about, uh, you know, this guy, you know, how he, he's really done great with, uh, you know, getting into uh, I think they started not even a year ago in July 2017, and right. now they do a 1.5 yeah. billion uh, a day uh, in <laughs> trades, and that's that's incredible. It is incredible. And just hearing the guy, his his nature, dude, he just sounds like a, a you know good-hearted guy that wants to do the most that he can to help out others. So, look, really looking forward to diving more into that and writing that that blog. So do you guys have a place that you go for information? Do you have your favorite bloggers? Do you have your favorite blog sites? Do you have your favorite ways to do research? What, and if so, how is it? No, my favorite um, blogger is, is Scott from Crypto 101. I mean, the guy's just, he's got a big heart. <laughs> and uh, he keeps me centered on this whole crypto thing on what it's really all about. He keeps us straight and narrow. He's like, he's like my conscious. I love Jimmy Cricket. So kudos, Scott. Wow. All right, Jimmy wow, Cricket. Thanks, man. I think you'd have to put like your, like that, that in like quotations in the middle of your name, Scott Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that fits. It's going to sound like a little bit of a cop out, but I always head straight to the to the project's white paper and the project's own um, press releases and social media statements and things like that. And you're always at risk of sort of being a sucker for the propaganda or just just like absorbing the rhetoric. But I think we. I think I write best when I start there and then when I read their stuff and I read their social media posts, naturally questions arise and things start to either fall into place or I start to think, uh, that doesn't sound plausible or that, that sounds like I need to look into that more. And when I have those questions, I take it to like, you know, Reddit or Telegram or yeah, search medium and, and search for what other opinion writers are saying, seeing if they're lining up with my intuition. Yeah, it's kind of, it kind of snowballs from, from starting with the, with the project themselves. Glenn, can I ask you a question? How do you, yeah. you you look at the white paper, and you said it snowballs from the project, and we're going to get into a, a piece that you wrote that got a lot of feedback um, <laughs> a couple months ago about Power Ledger, but how do you write that either shows your opinion or shows that you're unbiased, and how do you balance it, or do you think that you even should balance it? Yeah, look, you can't hide your bias. There's no way to remove your bias completely. That, that's an old cliche, but it's true. But I also don't think it's our responsibility to hide our bias. I think we are, we are writers in the space. We're all relative noobs in the space. We're discovering it as we go through this research. Um, and we're allowed to have bias, you know? Like we're allowed to read a white paper and think, no, like that's, that's not plausible, or I don't think they should have done it this way, or I don't think they need $50 million to launch an ICO. And, that may be biased to some people and that might rub people the wrong way. But we, we are under no obligation to hide that. And so, yeah, you've got to, you've got to balance 
your personal opinion when it comes to the technicals and getting your facts right. And that's difficult. And you've got to do, you've got to do your due diligence there. But um, in terms of like trying to hide the bias or trying to, you know, be super objective, I, I don't think that's our prerogative. I don't know, Glenn, you should give yourself more credit. I think, you know, especially in regards to the article that we're referring to, a lot of it you're, you're putting forth just facts. It wasn't, I didn't read it as your opinion. You were asking very good questions, honest questions. I think you should give yourself more credit for being very objective, which is exactly what the space needs, like you were saying, that we do have a responsibility, I think. Everyone involved, everyone who owns one little piece of this market to talk with each other honestly and openly because I think that's what's going to get a higher rate of adoption, going mainstream and all that good stuff. So, man, hats off to you. I think you did a great job with it. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. So then moving moving forward with this question then, um, unless anybody else wants to tackle that question too. The controversial? Is that what we're talking about? Um, not too sure. Or having an opinion? <laughs> having an opinion. opinion. We, we can, yeah. being, being subjective or objective um, in, your, in your writing and the importance of that. And I want to kind of add to that, I guess, and hear maybe Scott and Bolton's idea, is what does the platform and how much responsibility does Crypto 101 have to encourage or discourage objective and subjective writing? Because talking about Glenn's post is I got an email that said, that said we should control our writers. And I said, no. <laughs> no, I don't think that is our job to control writers. I mean, this is our opinions, even if it's an opinion, subjective, objective opinion, that is you have to you have to employ these different ideas to get a actually well-rounded blog or information site. What is your guys' opinion of this? So, so you were saying that this person was telling you to make it centralized? <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean, to, uh, yeah, to act like a to act like a company, to act like a company and, and control the bloggers. And I don't. So think I that... guess, yeah, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't make sense. Okay, so so yeah, so let's go. Let's go get your opinions about that. When you write, how objective or subjective are you with your writing? How much do you think is fair to the reader? And their responsibility and your responsibility to that information to be as unbiased as possible. And how does Crypto 101 or anybody, let's say if it's Coindesk or any other any other entity that has bloggers writing for it, how much is it their responsibility to control that information or the way it's being written? I think the only thing that they should be holding anything over the writer would be, are the facts actually facts? Other than that, you know, it's going to be subjective to some degree. And so that makes it interesting. If it were completely, totally objective, you might as well just read the white paper, which is a good good place to start. It's a good thing to read, but it might not be, you know, a lot of white papers is kind of, man, I they're also subjective. Well, they are, they are, that's true. <laughs> I, they're trying to be overtly objective though, I think. I mean, they're trying to make it seem like this is very dry and technical at some times, but I mean, maybe not all of them, but I don't know. I think some of them are difficult to read at times because they're so trying to be outside of what they think. I think having the autonomy to write what we want the way we want with, you know, the caveat that there's going to be some input when it's reviewed, you know, that that's a good system. And I think that's fair. And I think that's how we come up with good, good material. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, the more anyone tries to control something, uh, especially writing, uh, journalism, blogging, you know, the more it takes away from the integrity of it. I think, you know, me as a as a writer and a blogger, you know, it's it's 
my responsibility to my readers to look at both sides. You know, I, yeah. I like to tell a good story. I like to, uh, you know, highlight the, the good stuff that, that different companies can do. But I have a responsibility to ask, you know, well, what if, you know, what if this, what if that? And uh, if, if I don't do that, I'm not really fulfilling my responsibility as a journalist. That's, that's my take on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I wrote that piece, when it, we, we, like we may as well talk about the Power Ledger piece now because we're talking about it. We were coming off the back of the biggest bull run in crypto history. Altcoins were skyrocketing and people were throwing money left, right and center and stuff. And us, at, we at Crypto 101, just in our chats amongst ourselves, but also in some of the podcasts you were releasing, Matt, you were expressing concern about the authenticity of some of these coins, the um, workability of some of their ideas, their tech, their actual, you know, what are they actually providing the community? What are they promising? What are they delivering on? What do they actually have that the the community can put their hands on and, and tangibly engage with? And that was the context with which I approached Power Ledger because, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm the first to say that if decentralizing the power industry is incredibly important. And I'm, I'm 100% behind that movement. And I think it's something that needs to happen. But this was the reason why I turned such a critical eye on Power Ledger specifically is because I was looking at what this company was promising. I was looking at the hype. And then I was juxtaposing that with their deliverables. And even just reading their white paper and listening to the interview that you did, there were contradictions immediately. And there were some glaring problems that I thought, that doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. And I'm going, as as someone who is involved in a grassroots community that is tailored towards starting discussion and building community and building ideas by first proffering your idea and then having that rebuffed, I'm going to critically engage with this with this project and I'm going to raise some of the concerns that I see as a 100% noob, complete beginner coming into the space being like, hey, I don't understand this. Right. Um, and that's... That was the discussion I wanted to get started. And I think, and to, to Power Ledger's credit and to the community's credit, they engaged me with that discussion. But I mean, to this day, I stand by, and, I, and I thank you to Ryan for saying the same thing, but I stand by that post um, because so, some of the questions I raised in that post still remain for me. There's two things that somebody would say to a blog that you write like this. One, you're a noob. You have no business calling out uh, <laughs> doctors and, and, and ex- experts in the field you know, about these issues that you see. You don't know yeah. what enough. Or why, why don't you just look at the other information that's out there? Look at the YouTubes. Look at the other in- interviews. Read the other blogs. Why didn't you do that? What would you say to those questions? To the first question, I'd point to Scott's answer and say, because I'm a noob, I'm not allowed to participate in the conversation. Like That's an incredibly centralized ethos you're bringing to a to a decentralized movement. So first of all, I don't buy into that. The second one is a legitimate counterpoint. Basically, it can be summed up as do more research, do better research, read more. And I completely agree with that. And that is that is a worthy rebuff. But honestly, I spent hours on that piece. I read the entire white paper. I listened to the interview about three times and I was reading other opinion pieces. And I still came away thinking, no, I don't buy it. <laughs> I, I, the, just the main point was the involvement with the centralized power companies, that essential connection that they needed to have. Um, and that was the main point I brought up in the book. And I think that's uh, an undeniable sort of quality of their, of their project. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I was just raising my hand saying, that's a thing. I don't think people realize this is a thing. So yeah, that's how I'd return to those two points. And you got to give credit 
to uh, Power Ledger for engaging you, Glenn. You know, like you said, definitely, yeah. Th- that's an opportunity for them or for any other project. That's a that's a sign of of solid leadership, the yep. willingness to be challenged, and the openness to different perspectives. Um, that's the exact someone... opposite to the email that Matthew received, right? Like, control your right. writers. I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, give, give Power Ledger the opportunity to to respond. I mean, in some of the places where I've where I've worked and in my experience. As a military officer, you know, you're taught to always have a questioning attitude. You know, you shouldn't just blindly go forward with the best of intentions and not listen to those folks that you've gathered around you or, or people who are just offering their input. Um, you can take that. And if they're wrong, then engage and, and have a conversation and figure out what the, the right answer is. You know, who's right and who's wrong, if that's even possible. And then take what you learn and make yourself stronger, make your project better. Because you were challenged, and I think it's going to be those those blockchain teams, if you will, that that are open to engaging uh, folks who question this and that, and saying this is where you're wrong or right. Thank you for your input. We're going to take it into consideration. Those are the ones that are going to have a better chance of success. And now a word from our sponsor, Seal Network. Hi, I lived in China for many, many years, and China is the home of knockoff counterfeit goods. They call them super fakes. You can be sitting at a dinner table, which I have been, with somebody with an authentic Louis Vuitton and a counterfeit Louis Vuitton, and you cannot tell the difference. Super fakes are everywhere, from watches, bags, shoes, clothing, almost everything can be counterfeited. Well, not anymore. Not with Seal Network. Seal Network has created a solution that mixes blockchain technology with NFC chips. Products and brands now can embed the NFC chip into their product. And with the Seal Network app on your phone, you can scan any product with the Seal Network NFC chip and confirm its authenticity. Also, with the app, you can claim ownership to a product, purchase products, and many other things. If this sounds interesting to you, check out seal.network and check out their token sale. Now, back to the show. How much responsibility do you guys think you have? And and let me frame that question a little bit. We, Crypto 101, ICO 101, the bloggers, uh, the community, everybody is here providing knowledge. Now that we, <clears throat> I think that we, ha- Crypto 101 Media has moved to a level where we are looked at as someone that is going to point people in the correct direction. Now, if we say something like, and this is just from a written, from the written form, not talking about the podcast, not talking about anything, but from your guys's um, perspective, being the writers of Crypto 101, how much re- responsibility do you think you take on yourself that your sub- subjective opinion in the writing can sway an investor or sway somebody left or right to believe or not believe or invest or not invest into a project? And do you think that the subjectiveness that you put into it is responsible? I can jump in. I mean, I feel like I'm, feel ahead, like I'm speaking on. a lot here. You've got the best accent, man. Go ahead. We talked about this. Uh, <laughs> please. The kangaroos please. just jumping out of the, the speakers of everybody now. <laughs> Just slam your fosters. Slam your fosters, banana. <laughs> a VB. 
No, man, I don't drink that. I'm a whiskey drinker. You know that. Um, That's right. I we have drank many a whiskey together, sir. We have. We we shall have many more. We should do this um, again one one day with a whiskey in hand. Just an idea, like a, ha- a happy hour <laughs> blogger chat. Yeah, that would be yeah, only for the Patreon idea. members because there's no way that's going to be clean, uh, clean or respectable. <laughs> well, we're, we're, I'm working really hard. To- Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For 130 more, you'll be a Swole member, and for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Keep my, my non-clean and respectable Australian dialect in check. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you guys go, just please uh, feel free to take that question and run with it however you, however you feel free. Or feel yeah, you, fit. You, you said something there, Matt. You said that Crypto 101 is turning into this sort of entity that, quote, points people in the right direction. I'm not too sure I completely agree with that. Maybe that is the case. But as a blogger, as a writer, I don't think, and this goes back to my former point, it's necessarily our job to point people in the right direction. I think we're conversation starters and we're conversation participants, Right. So I think the responsibility we have is, yeah, get the facts right as best you can, present the company fairly as best you can, present the ideas as fairly as you possibly can. But ultimately, we're not here to shill for another company. We're not here to advertise ideas on behalf of projects. We're here to talk about them. And that may come off in a bad light. That may come off in a positive light. But I think it's not our responsibility to point people in any particular direction, but we're more question askers. We're the people who get the conversation started or maybe we're just, you know, we're halfway through the conversation. It's already been happening for weeks. But that's the role I think we play. Less of a full stop and more of a comma. Yeah, I hope people look at us as a gateway drug. Scott and I were talking at one point. We were working on, I don't know, a write-up or another project or something. He said, man, ever since this all started, I've never had so many open tabs in my browser. And I think that... And it's yeah, it's it's true for me too. I mean, there's so much information out there. You can go down a rabbit hole very quickly, but it's a it's a glorious trip, and there's so much to learn. And it's real exciting. I would just hope that Crypto 101 start ignites that spark for someone else, you know, and then they end up with a bunch of browser tabs open where they're learning about this, and they become they become an ambassador for cryptocurrencies to those around them and at least get the knowledge out there and start a conversation somewhere where it didn't exist before. I think maybe that, that'd be a great role for us to play. I think we play it right now. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, crypto 101 and ICO 101 just really serve as a great, a great educator and, uh, and condenser of, you know, so much information, you know, like Glenn was saying, uh, you know, we can look at it objectively, but I think, our ultimate goal is more of, you know, for the mass, adop- mass adoption of blockchain and cryptocurrency. But, you know, we can't just advertise that. We have to, you know, really do our homework and point out the good and point out the bad and do it in a, in a concise, readable, consistent format. And I think the blogs and the podcasts, you know, go hand in hand with doing that. So let me ask you a question. Let me ask Scott this question. Scott, somebody comes and writes to you and says, hey, man, I read your article on X, Y, or Z. And they say, well, because of that article, 
I bought this coin or I put a thousand dollars into this. Do you think that's your responsibility or how would you how would you answer that person? What would you write back and say, I'm glad you like the project, but or would you say that was my intention or let's just say they lost a thousand dollars on something that you wrote about. How would you answer this person to that email? You know, I guess I would maybe counter with a question of, well, what else did you do after reading it to find out what made you so convinced you wanted to buy it? You know, because you never feel like you can get the full amount of information, but you can certainly dig quite a lot. And I, I guess I would feel bad if they, you know, felt like I was so heavily endorsing something that they went and bought it and then didn't work. Um, that would never be my intent. I mean, I second guess everything I purchase, you know, it's kind of like, uh, I guess I'll do it. You know, it's, it's, it's a harrowing thing to go through and I would feel bad if someone lost some money cause they misinterpreted me as endorsing something. Um, yeah, I think, but I, you know, that hashtag D Y O R you got to, you really you, you can get information from other people, but you, you should temper it with all perspectives. You should look at you should look at the pros and the cons. Look at the people that are speaking down on a thing and see that those people are probably not 100% on target. And then look at the people that are 100% pro and realize that they're probably not on target either, and that the the reality is somewhere in between of the two. And maybe just where does that needle fall? Does it closer to the to the benefit or the detriment of your bottom line, basically? I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, I would feel horrible if someone said, hey, I bought this because you wrote about it and it's zero now. <laughs> well, I, would, I would share my own zero stories with them probably first and then refer them. Hmm. You've got a great disclaimer there at the beginning, Matthew, of every episode. You know, that's that's pretty important. Everyone needs to listen to that, realize what it means. And then, like Scott said, do your own research. We're one, we're one browser tab available to you, and we hope that... We're one that you refer your friends to. Say, hey, this is a great place to start. Get a good baseline. This is a great place to find out about stuff. But there's a lot more, you know, to go on to from there. Particularly if you're looking at investing your own money. Bolton, you just heard that everybody says, you know, we have to have multiple tabs open. We everybody has to do their own research. Have you ever read other bloggers, shill coins or fud coins purposely, directly, obvious? It's obvious in the writing. And you think that's irresponsible. And what do you think to that kind of blog writing? Since we are, I guess, trying to explain that the blog writers, and this wasn't the, the purpose of the podcast, is to explain what, where the blog is coming from. But just to, I just really want to get everybody's perspective of you know our responsibilities in the space because we do, I think, have some sort of responsibilities. But I guess what we're trying to get to now is to realize that everybody has their own individual responsibilities as well, or it even outweighs our responsibilities. With that said... Have you found that other bloggers are maybe acting irresponsible? And what do you think about that as a blogger? First off, the only bloggers I interact with are, are you guys. You know, at the moment, I'm I'm so so new to the space. Besides, you know, direct contacts from different companies that I add their Telegram channels. You know, it reminds me of pump and dump schemes in uh in, in stocks. You know, and if they're doing that, you know, obviously that's uh, incredibly unethical and uh, immoral, and I don't condone that. You know, but I think it's important for me to fact check. I can't just read a white paper or watch the little two minute video on the company's website and, you know, be sold on it. I need to uh, verify some things, open up some more tabs. Like with stocks, you could always go to SEC documents and verify, you know, the company's information or their numbers. And uh, 
and and or press releases and and verify you know on a bunch of different sources or just you know straight up call the company that's one thing like with the poly swarm article you know i was able to highlight some you know questions that i had about how they were going to spend all that money and they engaged me they you know to their credit they got back to me and uh they didn't necessarily, you know, answer my questions how I hoped they would answer them with, you know, very specific stuff. But, uh, you know, they, they did engage me and they did, you know, answer uh, most of my my questions. I don't know if that answers your question, but it's kind of my I just believe I should I have a responsibility to check the facts as best as I can, because if I'm just writing a fluff piece, then that's just that's just lazy and uh, unethical. Let's go off of this deep conversation of, of responsibility a little bit and maybe let, lighten this up a little bit. You guys write for, for Crypto 101, but you also do your own own uh, private projects, side projects, maybe some contracting and stuff like that. What are some of the different sites that you write for? Uh, Steemit, Medium, WordPress, whatever. And how do you like interacting with them as a blogger? Well, I just uh, created my first post for Medium and published it yesterday. And I will say just the interface of it, using it, and the the outcome that you get is really really nice it's easy to use it looks great when it's done you can even edit it once it's published it's quite nice that was my first experience with that and i was i kind of hesitated on that because i i don't know why i thought you had to subscribe to be able to post but you don't so i would recommend that one to anybody steam it makes me very nervous (laughs) very uncomfortable I'm not a fan of social media anyway, but Steam to me just feels like it's now financially incentivizing the exact type of stuff that makes social media so god awful in the first place. So I've I've stayed away I've stayed away from publishing on Steam. It uh, originally I thought oh that's a great idea you can you know can you elaborate you can on that with- though like what makes social media god awful that you're staying away from that uh, that is exacerbated on Steam. It so they're financially incentivizing attention right. So, like, if you can pull in attention, if you can get clicks and reads and interaction with your content, you make more money, essentially. I mean, it's more complicated than that. That riddles me with anxiety to the point. That's, I mean, that's why I left Facebook a couple of years ago. I just, I just switched it off because it, it, was a, it was a social competition between people I knew and people I frankly don't know. The type of content that it's asking for is designed to be cheap, easy, there's a very low standard of entry in terms of participation and the more and it's quantity based right it's not quality based so the more quantity you can pull the more you're rewarded and i just think that's the wrong direction to be headed yeah i would agree i i feel like steam is a steam it is a popularity contest rather than a quality contest yeah i don't even like reading on it because i can't find anything good like you just you, right? you go through there's the nothing. you go through the you go through <laughs> yeah, the top 100%. post and you're like this is the top post yeah, there's like it's a spelling mistake it. in the title, and yeah, exactly. Like, I tried it, but I didn't care for it. I'll, I don't don't intend to return to that at all. Sorry, Dan Larimer. Yeah, sorry, Dan Larimer. It is <laughs> it is though the most utilized blockchain I found out out of everything, which makes sense. But yeah, doesn't mean quantity doesn't mean quality. What are you guys thinking about the space these days? Look, we're seeing a little bit of green. You guys have been invested since mostly in January. What are you guys looking at? What are you guys holding? What did you buy? Are you buying more? Are you just writing? And what companies do you see in the future that makes you excited as an investor and as a blogger? So I kind of go back a little bit further on the timeline back in late summer last year. And with how the market's gone, it 
exploded in December and January at the peak has fallen back down. And with that, of course, my very limited portfolio has done the same. And it's been a very interesting experience to, to have that uh, when I got started. And there was a lot of excitement toward the end of that summer. So I come in at a, at a peak, but it's all relative, right? That peak was nowhere near the peak that some other folks experienced in December and January. And so, but it was the same kind of excitement. So it's very cyclical, but everything came back down to where I got in initially. Overall, though, the space, I can't be more excited. Even through the negative dips, I continue to view those as buying opportunities. And it's more of a, you know, do I have any funds? Do I have any any more disposable income, which I usually don't? But, uh, you know, because everything just looks really well priced, the projects that I like, the projects that I believe in. I'm looking to buy more. So I'm very excited about this about the space. We're getting to some good points with some projects where things are, you know, hinting towards fruition and seeing um, some progress with projects continuing along their roadmaps. And uh, you know, one in particular that I really like, I think that's part of what you asked. Um, I'm excited about the particle project. I think we had talked briefly about this before, but uh, I found out about it in in the fall and it's a smaller project. It's it's kind of under the radar in a lot of different regards. Circulating supply of coins. It's the particle project's token or coin is known as part. Uh, it's privacy based, and they're looking to f- develop a marketplace and uh, private decentralized apps. And circulation right now is 8.9 million coins. Market cap is only about 150 million. So it's a s- small player compared to a lot of other projects that are much much more well-known, but after following them for several months, they've got some key folks on their team. They've got good leadership, and I really like they have a real tempered, disciplined approach. And Matthew, one of the things that you always talk about is you know look for those projects where if you go to find them, they're out there. They have a presence on social media. Their papers are well-written. Um, they're making progress, and you can, you can find them, and they're active, and they're out there talking about their project. They're excited, and there's details available, and they kind of check those boxes for me. So I'm excited about uh, Particle. You know, that's actually interesting that you say that because I've noticed that most of my coins, most of my holdings right now are people that have either been on the show or people that I know personally. And for some reason, it makes me feel better. <laughs> I, you know, it makes me feel better that I, I, I know them and not in because I know what kind of person they are. I know that they're pushing the projects forward. But I also if I lose my money because I, I, I kind of feel OK because I, I, I know who they are. It's not this you know strange mm-hmm. person, this stranger that I, I say, oh, well, he he ripped off my money. No, it's somebody that I right. talk to on a regular basis or I have a relationship with or I know I can reach out and they're going to text me back or, you know, come on the show if I want them to do something. And I go, yeah, you know, they they actually did try or they, you know, it, it just didn't work out and shit doesn't work out all the time. No, it doesn't. That's a good point. You know, and, and with Particle, we're on the same page, Matthew. I mean, I feel the same way because the I, on several occasions I connected with the head of communications for their project talking about different things. I joined their Telegram channel and I've been on there and the developers will get on there and talk about what they're doing and you can shoot back and forth with them. That's something that you've mentioned in a couple of episodes. I would encourage anybody listening to this, if you want to learn more about projects that you're curious about, the ones that are out there that have these uh, their own Telegram set up or you can find them, I don't know, the possibilities are endless, but join in. I mean, a lot of them are out there, and you can talk to the actual developers working on the project, working on the code day by day, 
and working through that roadmap that's in that white paper. And they will answer your questions. They will talk about the things that they're doing. And so you build this familiarity with them. They almost kind of become like, I don't know, friends in a weird sort of modern crypto (laughs) virtual reality way. And I'll tell you this, like, so Particle right now is $16 a coin, right? And it was a couple months ago when everything was so darn hot. Everything was shooting up. We all know this. And Particle itself was up toward $40 a coin. And at one point, I bought a whole bunch at $30. And then it dropped. And it's back down to where it is now. So I'm down. But I'm not really that upset about it because I still feel like $30 was a great price for where Particle is going to be in a year or in two years. And we might get to that point and Particle's nowhere to be found. But right now, I just don't think that's going to be the case. So I feel comfortable with that. And I think that's based on some of the relationships that I've built and their presence and how they put themselves out there. Anybody else? Yeah, I agree. I agree with what Glenn was saying, how it's it's really interesting. And it's nice to be able to not be removed from a thing that you want to learn about or potentially invest in. It's It's cool that there's so many, like different angles you can investigate to like even just directly communicating with people that they're, they're so accessible most of the time. It's that just seems so much, so much different than so many other things that you encounter in life. You don't have access to, to the people that are doing the stuff that you want to know more about. I think that's really cool. And I've done some more of that recently than, than I have more so than any time up to this point where I'm actively going and trying to find people you know, in the discord or the telegram channels and just ask questions and just even you can learn a ton just by observing the conversations. And, uh, you know, some of them are way too technical and you just got to, well, this one's not for me, but you know, some of them are just really interesting in and of themselves, the way that people operate and, and sort of organize themselves per project. That's really interesting to see. And they each have their own little subcultures and, and that's, cool to see those things develop and so forth and can make you feel good about a project or, or not. But to be more specific about, I think you'd asked much earlier about things that we're looking at that we think are interesting. There's, um, I think the, the thing that I'm most excited about and curious about is the development of stable coins. And there's one in particular called the Haven Protocol that is a fork of Monero. It's going to have the privacy aspect of Monero, but also a mint or a burn and mint process to take it in and out of circulation and hold value as a stable unit. It's like really mind-bendingly weird, but I don't know. It's it, they're just getting started, and there's a lot of a lot of excitement around what they're doing, and I'm really like trying to pay attention to that community very specifically and watch what they're doing and see where that goes because I think that's going to be a really key aspect is to develop a stable coin that's going to be useful for all the different reasons that people might want to have them. Anybody else you, want to touch on you, what they're holding? Yeah, you, you, you asked us what we think of the space generally right now, right? And I think as much as, you know, the, the, the bear trend makes us think of price and we worry. And I mean, believe me, I've seen a lot of blood. I, I bathe in blood nightly. Um, <laughs> Since, since January. But. But, and he's not talking about losses. He actually does. And it's really, really gross, man. It's yeah, good for your skin. It's a thing. Life hates it. But yeah. <laughs> no, um, similar to Ryan, man, like even with all that red, and I don't have a lot of money, I don't have a lot of investment. Like I said, I'm a perpetual student. But with all of that red, the underlying tech, the underlying ethos, the, the it sounds really corny, but the, the 
technical revolution that's happening with blockchain tech has kept me inspired and has kept me positive throughout. Because if you take a step back and you look at what the blockchain is and what it is a solution for, or even DAGs, like directed acyclic graphs, the problems they are solving are real problems that affect real people in not just financial ways, but in any sort of way where you're relying on another third party. You're putting trust in a third party to deliver something for you. That's not going anywhere. I mean, blockchain is not going anywhere. This, these projects are only going to go bigger and get, and get more influential. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm Australian, and just this morning, one of the CEOs or the uh, directors of one of our largest banks resigned because we currently have a royal commission, which is basically the Commonwealth's way of saying shit's getting real, into the banking sector in Australia right now because the banks have been provably corrupt for the last number of years. Uh, they've been charging fees that are unwarranted even to dead people. They've been incurring bank fees. And our... Our version of the SEC, so there's a lot of talk about the SEC in American contexts about, you know, are we, are we going to get regulated? What's a security? What is the blockchain asset? The Australian version of that, the ASIC, I believe it's called, has been found to have been cooperating, co-conspiring with the big banks in Australia to, to sort of brush this corruption and cronyism under the table. And I mean, it's, that kind of stuff is happening, not just at that huge level, but even just like your cloud storage level or your credit card information level or, you know, the blockchain is a solution to all of these big problems. And I remain very optimistic that it's not going anywhere and I'm excited to be in the space even if I have to take blood baths every night. <laughs> <laughs> and myself, I hold, uh, you know, I think 15 different cryptos and I, I also bathe in blood every night, you know, since January getting in and... You know, and I was explaining some of this to my sister, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, who's not, you know, an investor in crypto yet. But she asked how much I put in. And I said, yeah, you know, since I put in, I'm down, uh, I think, about 65%. But I'm not worried. I didn't put money in, you know, in hopes of making a quick buck or a, a short-term profit. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I really wholeheartedly believe that it's going to, you know, the price is going to go up. But what it did was it, 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 it had me put skin in the game and I was, I was forced to learn more about, you know, these companies. And uh, it's just some that I think are have one great platforms is one I mentioned earlier, you know, Salt. You know, they their platform is, is they lend you money for using your cryptocurrency as collateral. And they, they put on the conference here in, in Denver that I went to and. I think there was about a thousand people there. It was uh, sold out, you know, because that was one of hang up when I first started investing in cryptos is because I, I really believe they're going to go up, but I don't want to, I, I want to be able to use, you know, money related to cryptos, but I don't want to sell them. So Salt's, you know, business plan plays right into that. And uh, if, if, you know, they give me a loan on 60% of my, my assets and I pay off, you know, uh, over three years and then at, at 14%, then, and Bitcoin goes up, you know, 100%, I, I make money and uh, I get to keep my Bitcoin. So it's, uh, besides that, I, I really like uh, Mill Token. It's uh, MLT. Uh, and I think they're having a public sale. You know, it's not public yet. I think it's coming out in about a month or so. And I think they're going to price it at around 0.15 euros per coin. And there's some of the CEOs that I met in person and talked to. 
at the conference. So I'm just, you know, long term. And another announcement that they had at that conference was some of the mass acceptance here in the United States. Uh, now cryptos, uh, I mean, Bitcoin is an acceptable currency in the state of Wyoming. And in Arizona, it's acceptable payment for your taxes. And, you know, those are huge announcements as far as, you know, the mass adoption. And, you know, I just think that's going to, you know, this is it's happening and, you know, it's going to happen sooner than later. So I'm really a believer. Gents, I want to say thank you very much for spending an hour with us to talk about blogging in the crypto space, your personal opinions about uh, what it's like to blog, what you see in the space. And I'm really happy you agreed to engage in that conversation. So thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Matt. No, no problem. problem. Great. Thanks for hosting. But before, we, but before we get off, guys, come on. Give me one song to put in our Spotify playlist. So wait, we could talk about responsibility. We could talk about blogging. We could talk about coins and decentralization and sharding. <laughs> but right when I ask, what song would you like on this playlist? Everybody gets quiet. I'll challenge. Can I challenge you? <laughs> Listen, I've got the greatest showman soundtrack on a loop everywhere in my life because of my children. They love that movie. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. It's actually pretty good. Hugh Jackman can wail, um, but the. One of the tracks is called This is the Greatest Show. And I don't know. That might, maybe that's a good one. All right. You got it. <laughs> I love Yo, it. I'm never going to be invited wonderful. back. <laughs> I got one for you, Matt. Yes, sir. Dance the Way I Feel by a French band called Où Est Le Swimming Pool. I, I thought you were going to say Land Down Under, but okay. I'm, I'm a little taken <laughs> aback right now. So. I mean, you can throw that in there as well if you want. It's already up there, I think. Nice. <laughs> from, from when um, Jamie Skeller came on. Oh, yeah, cool, cool. I, I had that as his theme song. I don't think he appreciated it. He never came back. <laughs> Venetian Snares, Banana Seat Girl. Okay. Every, everybody's going to love that. Bolton? Bolton? The artist is Royal Blood, and the name of the song is Lights Out. Perfect. All right, gents, thank you very much. You guys have a great night, great day, and we'll see you in the Crypto 101 blog feed. All right. Thanks. You can count on it. Thank you, Matthew. All right, guys. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. The reason why we keep having our staff on our team, our bloggers, is because we really want you to know who we are. Because the bloggers, the podcasters, the media, the journalists are one side of this dialogue, this narrative we're having. I feel that it's very easy just to have on CEOs, lead developers, key opinion leaders and thought leaders and millionaires in the space and have them talk about what they're doing or what they're thinking. But that's only one side. That is the side that has the biggest voice. But what about the average consumers? And what about the journalists? What about the media places? What about the bloggers? What about the vloggers? What about the YouTube channels and the podcasts? That are also an aspect. Hearing from all sides of this, as we do have our listener episodes, as we do have CEOs on the show, you also need to hear from us. You also need to hear who we are to know that we are also part of this conversation and, and understand what responsibility we feel we have, the importance of it, and how we convey thoughts and information. Only then can we have a complete dialogue and a complete narrative where we all have a voice. So that's my reasoning for having the listeners on, 
That's my reason for having us on, the bloggers, the team. And that's the reason why we have 101 episodes, as well as talking to CEOs, lead developers, and key opinion leaders. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. And we will always try to keep it balanced. And we always try to keep the narrative full of discussions from all sides of the table. And like always, ApogeeCrypto.com, that's A-P-O-G-E-E, Crypto.com, the best place to check your real-time prices. CryptoNews.com, it says it right in the name, a great place to check your news, Crypto News. And WPOnTheFly.co, if you need a website, you need it quick, and you need it affordable, talk to June. We'll see you in the next episode of Crypto 101, where we talk about global warming, global cooling, which one is it? Agriculture the price of food in the future, and how blockchain is going to facilitate the future of agriculture. We'll see you in that episode. This is Matthew Aaron with Crypto 101. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.